Yeah, Vaughn? up on his six when he pulled through the clouds and then I moved in above him. Well, if you were directly above him, how could you see him? Because I was inverted. Bullshit. <coughs> no, he was, man. It was a really great move. He was inverted. <laughs> Best line in the movie, man. Goose just, Goose owns that part. I mean, I know it's it's Mav's dialogue, but like, you know, thanking him for, for including the we and then, like, no, it was a really great move. He was inverted, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> Anthony Edwards is so good in that role. He's so good in that role. It's one of the things you really miss. First of all, like, is it is it cool that Top Gun is all the rage again? Or is it annoying? Or is it somewhere in between? Well, yeah, well, first I got I gotta kick off with something here. Let me let me let me let me bring this on here just real quick. So Right. Welcome everybody to Two Twins in an Album, episode number. Typical Nubs fashion. I don't remember the episode number. Um, seventy-six, seventy something. As we take a look today at the soundtrack to the film Top Gun. So Here last time, film. last time we uh, we did something like this. It was episode sixty-five, and we did this as Spinal Tap. You know. And I played the focus on film theme. So I, I figure, you know, whenever we go in this, this, and this is our first official soundtrack, even though I guess Spinal Tap is sort of a soundtrack, right? I, we consider it smell the glove, but it was officially a soundtrack, but this is our first like real compilation soundtrack. So, so it's kind of, you know, focus on film today a little bit. I'm sure we're going to talk about the movie just a tad. Yeah. We need to, because everyone else in the world is it's funny uh, how many people have uh, rediscovered Top Gun, discovered Top Gun, a new generation now is aware of Maverick. You know, the, the whole thing is, yeah, it's been fun to see the whole thing kind of resurrected, right? But it, it's, um, there's also a little bit of just like, hey, wait a minute, like Top Gun was our thing, you know, it's our generation, you know, <laughs> well, stay out of I, it, millennials. You weren't around in 1986. You well, know? I got to be honest, man, I haven't seen it. So, and you, I know you have, so you're, you have a take on the new movie. I actually don't other than I've been hesitant. You know, I think some of these remit, like the karate kid one was so awful. And some of these like reduxes are just, they kind of just make you mad. So I think I'm going to see it based on your endorsement. My main concern is that they would make it too politically correct. Cause there's so many wonderful unpolitically correct things about the original. Like if you take away that charm, like I'm out, but it sounds like they sort of got that tone, right. According to what you initially said. 
right after watching yes. it. So, so I probably will watch it, but you're the only one with an official sort of review on, on the new uh, Maverick. What is it called? Is it just called Top Gun Maverick? Yes. Top Gun yeah. Maverick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. So I, I guess first off, welcome everybody <laughs> to episode 70, whatever. And yes, this is the first soundtrack that we've done here on Two Twins in an Album, which is very cool and mm-hmm. obviously well-timed. And some of this music is used in Top Gun Maverick. So I'm not going to get overly spoiler about this, but I will just summarize, you know, I, I guess if you want to hear nothing about the new movie. You no, know, tell us the ending. Just, just, let's, yeah, just, right. let's just ruin it for, for <laughs> yeah. all of our listeners and me. Just go, our stupid just little podcast. Like our, our, the top thing we'll do is like ruin a movie for people. Yeah. That's what we'll become known for. But I, I will say this just in the, tr- in terms of like review, right? The first 75% of the movie is excellent. The ending is atrocious. It's absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Now, you know, certain people I've talked to have this take that like, well, it's Top Gun. It's supposed to end kind of cheesy and whatever. Like it's, it's unrealistic and ridiculous. But aside from that, it's very entertaining. It's a throwback. It's a cool opportunity to go see something in the theater Yeah, and remind yourself of what an amazing experience it is to see something on big screen with great sound. Because one of the pieces of magic about the new movie is the sound. The sound editing is just out of this world. And like I said, no CGI, you know, all the actors are really flying and things. I mean, it's just, there, there's some really extraordinary things about the new movie. It's worth seeing, but I would say to you, and I would recommend anybody else, if you're going to see it, go see it while it's in the theater. You know, don't wait for it to come out and watch it at home. It wouldn't be the same experience for sure. But a huge part of Top Gun was the music. Very significant part of the whole Top Gun brand, the, the whole aspect of the movie top to bottom. It's got iconic music in it. Absolutely iconic. Good opportunity for us here to dive into the Top Gun soundtrack. Good opportunity for us to do a soundtrack here in Two Twins and an Album. And now is a very good opportunity for me to find out what you've been listening to, T, as we kick things off, as we always do, with Round and Round. All right, T, any soundtracks in the three albums that you have been listening to of late? What do you got? Um, I can't say that there are any soundtracks, but went to a uh, rock and roll show this week, Nub, uh, at the old Pine Knob on like the hottest day of the year. It's like 102 when we got there and humid. So we had that going for us, uh, but went to Tears for Fears and Garbage. And so that has kind of got me listening to their new album which i think i mentioned before on round and round but didn't actually like wasn't actually listening to it sort of my classic round and round move but now i've actually listened to it and they played a bunch of cuts from the tipping point and it's pretty good the the songs live are much better than than they were recorded but there's some really good there's a track called rivers of mercy that was a really good moment during the show and as you can imagine just great show i mean they're they're just so good live these guys those guys are pros I mean, the, their voices sound so good together. Both Roland and Kurt are just, you know, kind of in top form, you know. It's crazy to think that they, like at one point, truly hated each other, couldn't work together because they they seem so destined for one another. You know, yeah. just the way they blend. 
Yeah, they, they do. And, and boy, it sure, unless they're fooling everybody, it sure seems like they're getting along now. And Oh, I really, think they are now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really enjoying, you know, what they're doing and it was a good show. And Garbage was, uh, Head Over Heels. Oh, it was amazing. They closed out the, the main set with it. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and Garbage was fantastic too. They, Eric Avery was playing bass for them, which just watching him alone was worth it for me. But Shirley looked great, sounded great. Band was awesome. But Vig on drums. I mean, super cool. So good night. Definitely a good night of music. Uh, the second is a new record by one of my favorite newer bands called Fulls. This is called Life is Yours. So they put out a two-part album a couple of years ago that was fantastic. I haven't heard this yet. I hope it's not too festival rocky. Okay. I didn't know you were into Fulls. That's cool. That's something. Oh, yeah. Sure. They started on Sub Pop. Their first couple albums on Sub Pop are really, really yeah. good. Yeah. And then the third nub is uh, they, they re-released sort of finally, you know, Prince, Prince and the Revolution. How about you and your friends versus me and the Revolution? Um, had this like classic, legendary show in Syracuse, New York in the 80s. And uh, they finally sort of packaged this, re-released it. And they also included a Blu-ray and of the show, you know, so, I mean, it's a, it was just a classic print show it's where he's wearing the purple sparkle. And uh, it's, it's the one that's funny. We talked about hell's bells, the dangers of rock music. And they show that clip where Prince goes, will you take a bath with me? And the crowd goes, ah! you know, um, <laughs> that's right. Will you, <laughs> will, you, will, you, will you take a bath with me? Yeah. <laughs> so just only Prince could say anyone else saying that would just be just so like, just creepy and weird. But Prince says, and everyone's like, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Is, is uh, Mickey free in it? Mickey free is not a girl. Mickey free. Look, listen, Mickey free is not a girl. All right. <laughs> Uh, My favorite line from that. No, this uh, Mickey Fried, that bitch fine like a mother. <laughs> like a Mickey Fried is not a girl. All right. It's so good. Oh, that bit is so genius. Charlie Murphy, just the best. So anyway, this this is a great, I mean, if, if you're even a moderate Prince fan having this show and this was just the revolution sort of in its full glory, you know, and I haven't watched the Blu-ray yet, but uh, great re-release there and, uh, you know, on a good format and sounds great and all that. So, uh, so that's game blouses for me on round and round. What do you got, buddy? Last night, actually, I, I got a new elect- electronic drum set, like a new set of Roland V drums. And, uh, I wanted something to sort of test them out to play with. And this is, I've never done this before. I just put on my copy of Howard Jones, humans lib hmm. top to bottom and just played along with it. Even with the songs that I didn't know, like the album tracks, my God, what a great album. That's his 1984 record. I think it was his second one. You know, it's got a new song, What Is Love, um, Pearl in the Shell. It starts off with uh, conditioning. It's an awesome album. The, the, the non-hits on it are, you know, really outstanding songs. I mean, Howard Jones was on fire in the mid-80s. I think really underrated. Chuck Brown and the Soul Searchers with Bust and Loose, their 1979 album. Just such great late 70s funk from that Washington, D.C go, go sound. I just love it so much. So bust and loose. And then lastly, I went back to like the early two thousands. I've been buying a lot of CDs lately. Cause you know, they're like a dollar at places or 10 for a dollar or whatever. So I've been trying to like restock my CDs of some albums that I liked back in the day that I might've sold the CD for and would still like it. So there's a band called audio event. They were on Atlantic records. They had sort of a semi hit with a, a song called the energy and their album, dirty, sexy nights in Paris. Got that. 
listen to that top to bottom, reminded of what a great record it is. A little bit of an obscure early 2000s album there from Audio Vents. So that's what's running around for me too. All right. Well, it's time to get into the Top Gun soundtrack. And I, you know, you think about what line from the most quoted movie ever, which I think it probably is. It's at least top three <laughs> most quoted movies of all time. So let's just kind of get into it with the nerdy deeds under cheap. And to get into those, I'm just going to say to you that uh, I feel the need, the need for speed. Let's get, Ow! Into, let's get into nerdy deeds under cheap. All right, so the Top Gun soundtrack, it was released on May 13th of 1986. You know, you've got the track list, you've got the artists, actually not a ton of like background information about the soundtrack itself. There's lots of little stories about some of the songs that we can explore as we get into the track by track. What needs to be known about this album is that it was just an unbelievable hit for a soundtrack across the world. It was Top five, top 10 in many, many countries. It was number one on the US Billboard 200. There were six singles released from it. They were all hits in their own way. Certainly, many of them received prominent use within the movie. So, in terms of like details about it, what we know is that the producers, the album executive producers, were Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer, who, you know, were also the producers of the movie. And then they had album music consultants that were listed, which is Michael Dilbeck. And then special thanks to the commander, they said, Al Teller. So that's what we know. The, the singles that were released, again, you have a soundtrack with six singles. Danger Zone, Take My Breath Away, Heaven in Your Eyes was one of the singles performed by Loverboy. Mighty Wings from Cheap Trick. Playing with the Boys, of course, the volleyball song. Yeah. <laughs> most unnecessary scene in the history of film from Kenny Loggins and then <laughs> unnecessary, but yet so necessary, you know, <laughs> right? Exactly. And then lastly released as a single was the Top Gun Anthem uh, written by Harold Faltermeyer and played by the great and very underrated Steve Stevens, of course, from Billy Idol's band. So there were like expanded versions of the soundtrack that were released. They've certainly tried to milk this for, all it's worth. And those expanded versions contained some songs from the movie that weren't on the original soundtrack. And then there were like another, there was another version that was released with just some other 80s songs that I guess they thought would work well. I think they called it, you know, inspired by. And this had like, can't fight this feeling by just so dumb that those yeah. songs aren't in the movie, you know, no. right? It's no. almost just like, let's add some songs that might make you think of fighter jets flying through the sky. Yeah. Stupid. Correct. Like, like any broken, movie could do that, you know? Exactly. Like let's put broken wings by Mr. Mr. Which by the way is like one of my favorite songs of all time, but uh, it doesn't belong on even expanded version of the Top Gun soundtrack. It's so. kind of like, it's kind of like, like the movie rad that I talk about all the time. If, if they put out a secondary soundtrack and was like, Hey, here's just some songs that might make you think of riding a bike, you know? Right. You know, or like exactly. Side Out. Remember the movie Side Out? They could have done another soundtrack that said songs that remind you of playing the aforementioned beach volleyball. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, exactly. You could do that for anything. You know, it, it's exactly right. So, you know, the, the truly the best way to learn about the soundtrack probably is to own a copy of the original vinyl version, which I do. The liner notes have, you know, they have the lyrics, which is kind of funny. 
usually soundtracks didn't come with lyrics. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. And it's got, you know, all the songs who they're written by and kind of all the production information for each song. The album cover is fairly recognizable because of all the information that's available on the, on the front sleeve. It's got the, you know, the, the title of the movie, obviously it's got this picture of, you know, Maverick and Charlie. It says up there with the best of the best. And then you literally have a track list on the front cover of a lot of information. It certainly is on the cover. Yeah. And then the back, you basically have that replicated. And then just a bunch of like very sexy pictures of Tom Cruise, you know? And so I'll tell you one thing for nerdy deeds that I thought was interesting because after we went and saw Top Gun Maverick, of course, on the way home, Mrs. Nubs and I were were like trying to find out as much information about all of this that we could because like how old is Tom Cruise, you know? And so that's one thing that was interesting. He's born in 1962. And so, you know, right now he's 59 years old. Yeah. And that means though, that when Top Gun came out, he was 24. And that was more stunning. Like I, I knew he was, had to be roughly 60 now. Well, this really was his first. So young. I mean, he was in Risky Business, which was like kind of good. And I think did the was the color of money out before Top Gun or after? Uh, before, before. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he had a couple like medium hits, but this was like the breakthrough, right? I mean, this was like the one that put him on the map. Well, I I know Risky Business like had a it got a lot of attention for that uh, just the one scene, the scene, where, right? Where he's in his whitey tighties singing Bob <laughs> right. Seger. Yeah, yeah. But no, that, that wasn't that wasn't like even still today that isn't like a one that's pointed to as like a great movie. Right. Um, you know, so, Correct. um, Correct. And, and sort of same with the color of money. I mean, you know, proving that in the eighties they can make a movie about anything. You can make it about, you know, playing pool. Right. Right. Kind of like the vision quest thing. What was that one about? That was about, uh, Oh, it's about, uh, it's, it's about wrestling. It's a wrestling movie, you know, not, not like WWF wrestling, but like high school wrestling. You know. Not to be confused with over the top, which is about arm wrestling, arm wrestling. Yeah, exactly. right. Exactly. Like you, you could make yeah. a movie about any form of competition at this time, you know? Yeah, exactly. As exactly. long as there was some underdog element to it, you know, you were, you were in business. Exactly. Right. So, so that kind of wraps it up for the nerdy deets. a track by track. We'll have a chance to go into, you know, the artists and some of the, some of the little sagas behind each of these songs at least those that have stories behind them. Uh, so we'll have a chance to do that. But for now, T, I think we should get into our wondrous stories. T, when did you enter the danger zone, the highway to the danger zone? Um, well, I mean, I think, I think we had the tape or something of the soundtrack. So, and everybody had it. Um, and in fact, many people's parents had it. So it was very multi-generational, I think in terms of the music, because kids loved danger zone, kids love the Top Gun anthem, all these things that we'll get to, but you know, adults loved it too and uh particularly the the love theme you know and some of the other moments so it was a soundtrack that in order to get to the levels that it got to commercially had to be multi-faceted in terms of its audience and multi-generational and it was it was just like the film 
young people loved it, old people loved it, and everything in between. So that was something that it just seemed like everybody had it. You know, it just seemed like everybody had it on cassette, everybody had it on CD. Is one of the first CDs that I remember because um, there's there's sort of this early crop of compact discs. You know, when they sort of first hit and first really became a little bit more mainstream to where people were starting to get CD players and. And it had to be one of those landmark um, mass appeal al- uh, albums that really took the compact disc up to the next level based on the timing and based on the fact that you just anecdotally, you just remember everybody having it. I mean, for us, the movie was was a big deal. We were six when it came out and we were super into, you know, it was Back to the Future. It was this. It was a couple others that were just regularly on the rotation. The thing I always remember is we had a we had a VHS player in our van. So so our dad got this. wasn't even like a minivan. It was like a van van. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was super sketchy. Now, like if you were driving around in it, now you probably get you know pulled over. Just what's going on with this thing? You know, what do you got in here? But at the time, they were a little bit more common. I think it was a Dodge. Maybe like a Dodge van. Oh, I forget exactly. I can't remember who made it. It could have been a yeah. Chrysler. I, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember, but it was like dark blue. And I mean, it was, and in the back, like it kind of folded into a bed, which I think they've now banned. Nowadays, um, it would be a van that would, would get reported. Oh, <laughs> you know? I mean, very probably confiscated and probably, it was, you know, a few tinted windows away from being completely. Yeah, uh, it reported. was, it was sketch. Um, but, you know, it was just us in there. We weren't doing anything crazy you know but but yeah i think now if you had a van like that you'd probably be up to no good in some way shape or form but the um the accessory that was really and this was kind of a big deal i mean it was a big deal at the time to have a vhs player in the van you know and so uh and we drove on some long trips and that sort of thing and and top gun was regular in the rotation. So I, mean, I think of, we watched Top Gun in that van more than any other movie, I would say. Probably maybe Back to the Future is the only thing that's close, but yeah, yeah I mean, we, yeah. we watched this movie a, a, a ton. I mean, if you were to do a play count on this lifetime, it would be extremely high. You know, T, have you and, watched and, it lately? Top to bottom? You know what? Start to finish. I, I can't think of the last time. I mean, I've, I've definitely like caught some clips here and there. I mean, I love the movie and we quote it so much. You know, there are certain movies where if you can't quote it effectively, then I just, it's like, I almost can't like hang out with you. It's just kind of like, you know, it's sort of a must. And so, and there are some just wonderful, both well-known and obscure quotes from the film. I mean, the, the thing I always say about this one is, I mean, I think the music, had so much to do with the success in the movie and, and set the tone and just you hear songs and we'll get to it in the track by track, of course, but you hear songs and they just take you right to the scene, you know, but the thing that's fascinating about Top Gun as a movie is you, if you read the script, like if you just pull up a PDF or something of the script of the film sometime and read it start to finish, just in, just in text, and it's kind of like, how the hell did this movie ever get made? Because the script is ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, there are things on the script that like sort of don't make sense. And there are parts in the movie that are just odd, but it doesn't matter because the tone, 
and the scenery and the performances and the soundtrack just all are just peak 80s. But you know what? It's funny you say that. It's a great take. That almost to a word, that exact explanation is how somebody that I trust defended the ending of the new movie to me. Because I was bitching about how stupid the ending is. Right. And by the way, it's ridiculous. But th- that was the explanation I was given. Was like, it's not about the, you know, don't think of it like a screenwriter. Don't think of like a, you know, don't try and make sense of it. Just enjoy it. It's Top Gun. It's supposed to be yeah, uh, kind of uh, absurd, right? Interesting. Right. And I've heard others complain about the ending. You're not the only one. It just goes to show you that there's more to a movie than just the screenplay. And this proved that better than anything because the way they filmed the, the, the fight scenes and the way they use the music. And I mean, it's just, it's brilliant in terms of how to apply a soundtrack to a movie. And that's the coolest part about it is there are songs on here that you wouldn't think of as like great songs or classics from the era, but you hear 10 seconds of it and you go right to that scene or right to that time period, which is what makes a soundtrack special in order to sustain and hold up over time is, is if it truly takes you back to the performance and to the, the uh, nostalgia and visions of the film. And that that's nothing does that better than this one. So, well, I'll tell you right now, T I do want to take you back into the nostalgia and visions of the film, but more, more importantly, I want to take you right back to our van with the VHS. And I want to see, I want to see how much you recollect. Now you better put those hands up right now. Oh, I want to see those hands. Show me those hands. Yeah, we're doing doing something nice. All right. Because what I have prepared for us right now is 11 questions. All right. So that is, should I play the, should I play the thing? Not your dad's Top Gun trivia game. (laughs) Not your dad's Top Gun trivia. This is the real. Oh, (laughs) don't get it. (laughs) And now. Here are two twins in an album's Top Gun soundtrack episode. It's time for Not Your Dad's Top Gun Trivia Game. Here's your host, me. (laughs) Me. All right. Yeah. This is great. I always get a little, I always get excited when you bring a game to the table. Well done, buddy. All right, here we go. All right, All right, hands in the air. No yes. cheating. No, no. I Although never... I trust you. I don't, I don't... <laughs> Who would well, cheat on a dumb game about Top Gun? You know? <laughs> Jeez, come on. All right. Now, these are deep references. Okay. This is this is like uh like I said, not your dad's Top Gun. You know, this yeah. isn't like, hey, how did Goose die? You know, right. right. Flat spin. Yeah. Yeah. Right. By the way. It was actually Iceman's fault. Goose died. He was actually responsible. There's a whole there's a whole it's, research about it online. It's debatable. It's debatable. All right, so here we go. Eleven questions. Why eleven? Because I don't know. We should do one more than most people do. Yeah, these go to eleven, apparently. Yeah, because you know, go to eleven. All right, here we go, T. Some of these are going to be multiple choice. Some of these are not. Okay. Okay. All right. First one will have multiple choice. Okay. What is Charlie's real first name? Oh, is it? Um, I'm gonna give you choices. On this okay, one. all right. Oh, no, no, no. Keep, go, go. Do you think you know it without choices? No. Okay. No, no. Is it 
Christina, Carol, or Charlotte? Charlotte. C. That is correct. You are one for one, Charlotte. Very good. Good for you. All right. Number two. This one is not multiple choice. This one you should know. Okay. What is the make? Who makes the motorcycle that Maverick rides? Uh, Yamaha. It's a really good guess. It's not Harley. So that's a good guess. And you were in the same ballpark. Kawasaki famously Ah, made Mav's original motorcycle. Are you one for two? That's That's a good one. Okay. Number three. Great line in the movie. (laughs) Where does Iceman say that the plaque for the alternates is located? Down in the ladies' room. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, buddy. That is a great line. Two of three. Two of three. And then uh, Goose does the. Oh, Jesus. Oh, you killed me. You killed me. You really did. really did. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you're two or three. Okay. After graduation, where are Slider, Hollywood, Maverick, and Wolfman ordered to report? And I'll give you three options for this one. Okay. The Constitution, the Enterprise, or the Intrepid? The Intrepid. Incorrect. It's the Enterprise. Damn it. Damn. Two of four. It's a tough one. Like I said, not your dad's trivia game. And is Je- does Jester tell him to report that? Yes. Yep. Dang it. Yep. All right. That was a good one. Remember, they're all standing there in their whites. Yeah. After, After Iceman wins the, uh, you know, he wins the award. Yeah. 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 Who's the best pilot? You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This one does not have multiple choice. What branch of the military are the Top Gun pilots from? Navy. Naval aviators. Very good. Easiest only, question of all these. I only know that because I now, you know, as you know, I now work in San Diego and we're like, the office is like five minutes from Miramar. Miramar, that's right. So yeah. It's just okay, where good. the naval base is. Yeah. It's just, I think a lot of people would just assume that they're from the Air Force. It's actually cool. You look out the window and you can see, watch the mountains, watch the mountains. <laughs> yeah. See those mountains with like the little dots yeah. all over them. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's the exact, basically the exact area where they shot a lot of the film, uh, a lot of the, the, the flight fight scenes, dog oh, nice. fight scenes. Yeah. Yeah. When you're like going in for landing in San Diego, do you ever like just envision well, you're an well, F-14 no, Tomcat? No, because San Diego airport is down a downtown. It's a, it's an infamous downtown airport. And you're like literally like weaving, dodging buildings as you're landing. So that usually I'm just uh, make, you know, afraid that we're going to hit a building. Not, <laughs> yeah. You're just, I'm, like, not even think, I'm not even thinking about mountains, you know? Exactly. Okay. Here's the next question. So now you're three for five. Okay. I'm going to lose track of your score at some point. So just whatever. I'll keep track. What is the significance of this address in the movie? 100 Laurel Beach. Um, it's um, Charlie. It's her address for the date that they're having at 5 p.m. sharp. Excellent. Very all good. Right, all right. Four for four for six. Uh, when she drops, were, when she when she drops him her address quietly, and Slider doesn't realize it, and he does the 
Crash and burn, huh, Mav? <laughs> you were uh, tempted to uh, ask me to dinner. Ask me for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the poorest acting from uh, yeah. Cruz at that moment. You were tempted. Yeah. Ask me for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100 Laurel Beach. Very good. Okay. Charlie, uh, hottie in the movie? Like oh legit, boy. legit hottie, or we could just we could probably do a whole episode on the topic. Um, yeah, I've always stuck with no, uh, even 80s hot. I'm just not there, never been there. Now, her character is cool. I mean, her character is super cool. It's cool when she goes casual, when, when, uh, you know, she go when Maverick goes over there and they have the wine and the cheese and whatever. She's got the mom jeans on. Yeah, the mom jeans. It's cool when they go to the bar, when she's kind of like, you know, having a good time when they do great balls of fire and all that stuff. So very cool character. Kelly Miguel is perfect choice, but I never did it for me. You? In certain scenes, I think she's super 80s hot. Okay. Okay. I remember the thing I remember the most is that the scene where she is in her formal, you know, yeah. garb. Like I didn't even recognize her. What about the elevator when she's got the hat on? Yeah, See, she was I'm, super hot with the hat on. I'm kind of a sucker for chicks with ball caps on. So yes. that one, I, I think for the first like 20 times I watched the movie, I didn't even realize it was her. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, there were moments where they dress her up in a way where you hardly recognize her from when you first get introduced to her. Yeah. The one thing, I, I, in the promotional stills for the movie, yeah. she looks really hot. She yeah. looks really hot. I do remember her being hot at the very the last scene in the bar. Yes. When she comes back from Maverick. I do remember being like, okay, she looks pretty hot. There. She had some camera presence. I will say this. I, I was surprised yeah. that she never went on to really be any... Any other starring roles, right? It, Any other, it's a else? really, really good performance. I mean, very, very good. Maybe one it of is. the best pure performances in the entire film. And there are and there are many. So, agreed, agreed. Perhaps none more than um, <laughs> this is the guy who plays the bald, the bald like commander. Oh yeah, He's a, that I, guy. He's a total. I want guy. some butt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's his name? God damn it, that's twice. I want some butt. No, 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 not that guy. I, I love him too. I'm talking about Top Gun. God, God help you or whatever. That, oh, oh, that guy. guy at the beginning. Oh, yeah, Principal, he's in other movies. Principal Skinner from Principal Back Skinner. To the yeah. Oh, he's amazing. You'll be, you'll be flying a cargo plane full of rubber <laughs> dog shit out of Hong Kong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's so good. That guy. Yeah, that. he is good. He is good. Love that guy. Okay. All right, next question. What song do Charlie and Maverick discuss while at her house? Uh, Dock of the Bay. Very good, yes. That's an easy one. Plus, I said it earlier in the episode. We were talking about but that. I sometimes I fast forward that scene. You know, like it's kind of yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, that's uh I don't know. And we'll get to it when we do the love theme. Oh hell yes, we'll get to it. Speaking yeah. of fast forward, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, I think you're like five oh seven or five of eight. I can't remember. Yeah, okay. That's close there. enough. Okay. What is Goose's full real name? Um, 
Um, I would take first or last. Even if you just know one of them, I would take it. Oh, I've checked man. with the judges. Well, it's Anthony Edwards, you know. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, uh-huh. yeah. Oh, I don't, dude. I don't know if I know either. Um, oh, when, when would they? So, so would they say it when he dies? Would they say it? You at see the it beginning? a few different times. You would, you see it on the plane at one point. It's printed, it's printed on, on the, the plane. plane. Yeah. yeah. Um, dude, I don't think I know. And the last either. name you see every time, basically, they show his when he's when his name tag is on. Uh, if you see that, I don't think I know either, man. It'll be You're going to be pissed. This, yeah, be if this pissed. rings a bell, yeah, yeah. It's Nick Bradshaw, Nick I Goose Bradshaw. I would have never gotten either. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought for sure you would have gotten Bradshaw. Interesting. Interesting. And for, no. for for obvious reasons, I thought maybe you would have known Nick. <laughs> but isn't that funny? I I would have never. That didn't even like ring a bell. So yeah. Interesting. Good question. Okay, next up. What is Charlie's official job? She's an expert on the MIG. She she's brought in because they're 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 fighting the the Soviets, presumably. And although I think it's kind of implied Soviets, isn't it? I don't know if they actually do they say maybe they do say the Russian MIG. 28. But she's an expert on the MiG-28, so she's there to educate them as to how to best navigate a dogfight against the MiG. Okay, so you're right. That That's almost like a half credit, but it's not... What I'm looking for is... She's an instructor. She's, I think she's an instructor. Correct. Is that's that, what I'm looking for is what is her title? What does she uh, actually do? Like a, She's like an intelligence instructor. instructor? Does that sound right? Ish? It, it's mentioned... She's an astrophysicist. Oh, when okay. they give that whole spiel about her her experience with the MIG, but she's yeah. an astrophysicist. She is not an officer, so you do not need to salute her. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Astrophysicist. Okay. All right, here we go. A couple more. Which of the following was not a call sign in the film? Okay. Okay. Are we going to talk about sundown or? <laughs> <laughs> probably the best probably the best character in the movie sundown oh my gosh it's so yeah. good yeah it's not good it's not good and there's two well we'll it's get not to good. it it's not good hey we could have had him man the best part of sundown though is when he picks up the mic on the you've lost you've lost that love baby <laughs> if you can only love me like you yeah. can hear him in the background oh yeah, Sundown. You're totally killed. right. That's yeah, a great call. He Sundown kills that. Rules. There's a lot of good nuance, like background um, stuff going on in the movie where I don't know if it's improv or if it was like, yeah. if they did that intentionally to make it something that you had to sort of look for or something that was sort of on the periphery or the background, yeah. that Sundown singing once once Mav's done and he walks off with Charlie and then Sundown picks up the mic and baby, baby, like it's great. You know, <laughs> little things like that in the movie are for what sure. make it special, you know? Well, there's a lot of little things because I think I think 80% of the movie is sweating, gum chewing, and glasses on, glasses off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like 80%. If you take that away, there's very little room for anything else. So there's a lot of little things. <laughs> right. Okay, so yeah, so which of which of these is was not a call sign in the movie? Okay. Hollywood. Was. Texas. 
Stinger. Well, Hollywood was because that was Wolfman's Rio. One of my favorite parts of the movie is when um, Hollywood Wolfman gets shot and Maverick's on Ready 5. Yeah. And right after it happens, they show Maverick and that voice comes into his earphones. Remember Hollywood Wolfman? Launch Maverick on Ready 5. I love that part. Yeah. That's a really. The way they framed that was so cool. And then he's like, he's ready. You know, yeah. His moment moment has arrived. That's a great call. That's a really, really, that's a goosebumpy part. It is. Um, I don't, uh, uh, I'm going to say Texas. Cause I think there is a obscure stinger, uh, call sign. So Texas, I'm going to say is not a call sign. You're correct. Okay. Well okay. done. Texas. Very good. I keep this four five. I don't know. You're doing very well. All right. This is the last one. Okay. Okay. This is the only one that I'm going to be disappointed if you don't know it. Oh boy. And I don't know why. I just, this, I just, <laughs> a true Top Gun expert that remembers uh, the key moments of the movie would remember this. Okay. Okay. How many rules of engagement did Maverick break during his battle with Jester? <sighs> well, he flew, he flew the tower. So that was one. Um, he 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 put radar lock on Jester below the hard deck, so that was another. And he took the he took the shot. I don't know if I'm combining some, but he, he you took it was major rule of engagement. So I feel like there's three tower buzz, radar lock below the hard deck, and um. Take, taking the shot on Jester figuratively. Is that right? Great explanation. You did everything right. It's just the numbers two, because it is the two things you mentioned. It was engaging okay. Jester below the hard deck. That's one. Okay. And buzzing the tower in celebration. That's two. So I, I'm gonna, I mean, you were right. Like you, you, that's, that's a correct answer by any stretch of the imagination. All right, cool. But so the answer is two. So you're not mad. No. Okay, buddy. No. Okay. Put a lot of pressure on me on that. I'm one. sure okay. you're really worried about that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Great. Game. All right, man. There you go. Yeah. Well done. That was awesome. You did very well as expected, as expected. You did very, very well. Well, let's, let's drop the needle, man. It's time to listen to these 10 songs, you know? And uh, I think the nerdy deets uncovered that this is a, a very, interesting collection of bands and musicians. Very interesting. It's all over the map in a lot of ways. And the wonder stories is certainly brought to life how these songs impact. You did a good job of tying the soundtrack and it's such a key part of the movie. So there's going to be some familiar sounds as we drop the needle. And I think there's going to be a few things on here that we just totally forgot are even on this soundtrack and can't wait to dive into those as well. So T let's do it. Let's uh, go track by track and drop that. Perhaps one of the best uses of music in the history of film in an opening scene, certainly in terms of blockbuster films, is certainly the kick-in of Danger Zone by really the fifth or sixth choice to sing and perform the song, Kenny Loggins, as the Top Gun soundtrack kicks off, rightfully so, with Danger Zone. 
you sort of can't imagine anyone else singing it at this point, but there were many other options. So the original intent was Toto Mm. and they couldn't figure it out legally. This is funny. Brian Adams was the next choice. And Brian Adams said he didn't want to do it because of the nature of the movie, typical Canadians said it glorified war (laughs) and he didn't want, you know, anything to be connected to that. Oops. (laughs) Ario Speedwagon was approached. They said no, because they um, didn't want to perform something they didn't write. Corey Hart was next. Same idea. Wanted to write stuff. So they kind of settled on Kenny Loggins and Kenny Loggins was like, yeah, I'll do it. And now Kenny Loggins has spent basically the last, you know, 30 years being the voice of this really famous movie and being very pleased of his role in it. You know, he loves to talk about danger zone and how it came to be. And he fully admits that he wasn't the first choice and he fully admits that he's damn glad that he ended up being the guy to do it. Cause it huge career moment for him and he sings it very well, but important to know it wasn't written by Kenny Loggins by any means. It was written by, you know, two people, one extremely familiar to 1980s music, Giorgio Moroder and Tom Whitlock. Oh, Giorgio. You can kind of hear it, right? With that deep synth sound. I mean, it's very Giorgio Moroder. It's just, it's just done in a way that's more pop rock than typically what you heard from Moroder during his heyday. Yeah, very guitar driven for him. But uh, yeah, you can you can definitely hear it with that that synth treatment. I mean, it's a, you know, this is a timeless song. Uh from a time where a song like this just you knew it was going to land great vocal and uh yeah kenny loggins was cool like that he was he was sort of like whatever you know i mean he he just kind of built a very long-term career out of just kind of going with stuff and taking advantage of opportunities the caddyshack you know i'm all right and mr knight piece you know those are good examples too of you know, really some iconic um, soundtrack moments. So really two films that Kenny Loggins lent his his voice to and really helped kind of shape the, the overall look and feel and damn near the brand of, of, of the two movies being. Well, I can see it's, it's not two, it's three footloose. Well, I yeah, mean, yeah. Good you point. know, I yeah. mean, which might've been the most popular of the three uh, in terms of that, you know, lead song. So yeah, great point. And who can forget his contribution to Caddyshack 2, the great Caddyshack 2 with Nobody's uh, Fool. Actually, probably my favorite song of all of them. Yeah, maybe the best song out of all of them, right? <laughs> exactly. But I mean, he, it's funny because Kenny Loggins, this guy who kind of started off as this hippie songwriter and did a lot of things outside of movies. But I mean, his lasting legacy is his role in those three or four movies, if you want to count it. Yeah, true. And uh, those are clearly his his biggest hits he ever did. So. Yeah, I like Danger Zone. I think it's aged pretty well. Certainly its use in the movie and the imagery that goes along with it is is such a huge part of why the song is so famous. Yeah. But from a musical perspective, it's got that nice, deep synth groove to it. The guitar work, I think, is excellent. It's actually a guy named Dan Huff playing guitar on it. Uh, You would have thought it was maybe more, you know, a famous 80s musician who did it. (laughs) I thought it, it almost sounds Luther. like Steve, Steve Lukather. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was Lukather at first, you know, but especially because of the whole Toto sort of pass on it. But um, and then I thought Dan Huff was the the guy from Giant, you know, another great, you know, 80s rock band, 90s ish, too. Um, but it turns out that it's the brother, the, the, the guy in Giant, I think, is David Huff. And this is Dan Huff. And they're but they're brothers. 
So there you go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, John Stamos is a brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> brother Richard is going to sing loving you at halftime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. On to track two, easily one of my top two favorites on the soundtrack. And that is the great mighty wings by cheap trick. You know, it's a Harold Faltermeyer song that he sort of let Cheap Trick do because it's written by Harold Faltermeyer. His production is is obvious and evident. Robin Zander does sing the hell out of it. I think that's the one Cheap Trick aspect you get of this song is that Zander's vocal is huge and and awesome. But I mean, Faltermeyer, what a what a composition! All I want to say when I hear this one is, "I got you now." <laughs> yeah, because totally. this, this is the gesture scene, right? Where they're uh, dogfighting yeah. with Jester, which is it is such an awesome, probably the best pure dogfight scene of the of the movie dur- during the training, and they they obviously lock in on Jester, you know. But um, yeah, a great example here of you know a song that you wouldn't really think of. In fact, if you went to see Cheap Trick live, I don't even know if they play it, but um, you hear it. And you're right there. You're right there with the view of the mountains and the, you know, the jets sort of speeding over them and bobbing and weaving and the varying viewpoints that they utilize really nicely during those dogfight scenes. And you're, you're right there, you know, but yeah, it's cool. There's, there's some great synth work. So the fact that Faltemar was heavily involved, isn't terribly surprising. There's a template to a lot of this music, right? It, it, it was all certainly uh, in a very thoughtful uh, intelligent manner um, placed into a film that, you know, the sounds and the, in the look and feel of it, you know, from an audible standpoint has some consistency and it's, it's a lot of what you hear from the time frame, And obviously Harold Faltermeyer will get to him eventually, but you know, you kind of always knew when you were seeing a film that he scored, whether it was Tango and cash or Beverly Hills cop or these areas where there was a lot of success there. And, the fact that, you know, he did some co-writing uh, for some other musicians and other bands on the soundtrack really helped lead to that consistent voice, if you will, that you get throughout the soundtrack, which which just paired perfectly with the film. And even with Cheap Tricks kind of 80s output, you know, this is not too far away from the flame and this sort of resurrection of their career. It, it, it doesn't sound like Cheap Trick at all. It, it's Rick Nielsen's guitar. I'm sure that's him playing. But it's got this 80s sheen to it, this power to it that just wasn't there on in Cheap Trick's core sound. I'm not convinced that's Bunny Carlos on drums either. I just don't, I don't, I don't know. know if I don't know if besides Xander, it's any of them, to be yeah, honest with you. It might not be. <laughs> and they were probably perfectly fine with that. So, you know, they they got paid, I'm sure. So well, the one comment that Rick Nielsen made on the song, he was on, he was on MTV, and he said uh that they did a song with Harold Faltermeyer for Top Gun, he said, we didn't write it, but, but it sounds pretty cool. And so that might reveal that it wasn't really a cheap trick song, right? Because oh, yeah. who would say it sounds really cool about a song that they actually did, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I think Harold Faltermeyer really, his fingerprints are all over it. But 
this was probably one of those where cheap tricks manager delivered them a, a payday, you know, more than them having to do much heavy lifting to, right. to, to, <laughs> to execute this song. So it's sort of a, this is good for your career guys. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah, exactly. Good for your, your career and good for you financially and just go with it. And they're exactly. like, all right, fine with us. <laughs> well, just go with it is what all of us had to do during uh, this part of the movie. The greased up guys <laughs> playing volleyball for no good reason. The chicks love it. The dudes think it's funny. It's playing with the boys by Kenny Loggins. Said it was the wrong thing. Actually, written by Kenny Loggins with Peter Wolf, which is a great combination. You know, Peter Wolf is a really important songwriter to the 1980s, worked with a ton of different artists. And uh, it's a great pairing with these two. And you can kind of hear that chemistry, but it is very Kenny Loggins. You're just the melody. And, you know, unlike Danger Zone, this does sound like something that that uh, Loggins would be, you know, sort of have some ownership of in terms of creative, but uh, it's a, it's a good song. It's just so paired with oiled up guys playing volleyball. that It's hard to think about anything else. Well, and and Kenny Loggins probably a good financial move for him too. He, he obviously would have gotten some publishing on this and, and, you know, the song is predominantly featured because I think you almost get the entire song, which in a movie like that, in a scene like that, um, as kind of funny as it is looking back at, you know, you get a full song during a movie of this magnitude, like, and you've got writing and publishing. That's a good thing. The thing I always confused me about the volleyball scene is, um, you know, Mavericks wearing jeans the whole time. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah, he plays volleyball in jeans, like full jean. Yeah. Um, and they're in, and they're in Miramar, Goose. California. I mean, it's hot. Well, in poor Goose got to wear a shirt the whole way. Why does he got to wear a shirt? I know. I know. Right. Like, is, yeah. I don't know. Did goose have a bad physique? Like, I don't know. I mean, I mean, maybe, I don't know. And look, I mean, he's probably no ice man and no, uh, who's ice man playing with slider or, uh, yeah, I guess he's playing. With yeah. Slider, I think right? they play with their Rio. Yeah. yeah. And you know, those guys, I mean, they're all greased up and you know, they're all you know, looking, looking all good and, and you know, all, all chiseled and greasy. Right. But, um, why couldn't goose get in on that you know i mean why has he got to put a full t-shirt on it wasn't even a tank top they made him they did, did goose just go full shirt like we, we don't want to see that poor guy you know <laughs> then he dies it's like yeah. dude, tough tough stretch for goose you know? yeah you're right that's a good that's a good you're right that's a tough yeah that's a t- that's where things t- turn a little bit in the movie because you know goose everything gets real sad all of a sudden with goose he's got to wear the shirt during volleyball and I think that's sadder than him dying. The fact that, you know, they put the full shirt on him. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if you were Anthony Edwards, wouldn't you kind of be like, what the hell? What am I not good? My, you know, my abs aren't good enough for you. Like, you know, right. Right. Exactly. Anyway, that was my takeaway. More it's, a great takeaway. <laughs> it's a great takeaway. And Paul, oh, great, great part too, is uh, the, uh, again, we talked earlier about nuances sort of things in the background or on the periphery. 
and uh, mother goose, you pussy. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. one of the best. And then, and then right into to the dude, 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 you know, it, it's a really good, <laughs> really comedic transition there where, you know, cause they're ripping on the, and it's funny cause goose doesn't want to leave goose. Like Mav, like, come on, let's play one more game. One more, one more game. So, and, and then, and then they end up, calling goose a pussy and he, he was like what i <laughs> yeah. like i what imagine i imagine if that scene had kept going goose would turn around and be like guys i i want to stay like yeah what you, you know it's not me it's him <laughs> you know he's got a date or yeah. something i, I want to stay guys you know exactly oh that's funny yeah <laughs> <laughs> love it love it all right well from uh greased up guys playing volleyball into you know, what you consider probably one of the album tracks of a soundtrack, if that even exists. And that is Lead Me On by uh, Tina Marie. All right, but that is $20. On the premises. On the premises. <laughs> It's this a terrible is, song, but it's a great part, dude. Totally. Like, this is what's so great about the soundtrack is like, I mean, that's it's total crappy throwaway song by like even even by 1986, Tina Marie may have been like past her prime and she was like, you know, 18. But it it takes you back to that bar scene. It takes you back to that bar scene, that conversation about the bet being twenty dollars on the premises with a lady this time. Great line. And, and then, you know, when, and it's funny when Mav comes back, they're like still playing the same song and, and Goose just gives him the, nah, cause he came back so, so quickly from the ladies room when he followed Charlie in the ladies room. Again, it's like, that's, what's awesome about the soundtrack. It's like, that's not a song you'd ever just like play. Cause it's not that good. But I, you know, even just during that clip, like I was, I, I was grinning ear to ear. Cause I'm thinking about that just a hilarious scene uh which that whole bar sequence you've lost that love and feeling you know the conversation with charlie in the in the bathroom uh, it's it's really good that's a really really good scene uh before mav realized that she is a astrophysicist as it turns out right <laughs> exactly exactly all right man time to get your tongues out and stick them down somebody's throat as we get into the uh the love theme you know this was the era where on the soundtrack they had to they had to point out that this is the love theme so parentheses love theme from top gun and that is take my breath away by berlin see i'm holding up the air quotes t berlin right right. not really berlin but anyway take my breath away let's do this Okay, so we'll get to its role in the movie because there's so much to go through. But let's just start off with the song. So there's an interesting kind of deal here. So music history is full of soundtracks and ballads, both elevating and ruining careers. We talked about Kenny Loggins, like soundtracks elevated his career, right? There's also a lot of people where a ballad or a soundtrack really hurt 
a trajectory and long-term hurt a career. You think about, you know, even bands like extreme and Saigon kick, like they were kind of doomed by the fact that their lead single, their only hit was a song that sounded nothing like what they do. This is a great example of, and a rare example of both happening at once. The, The soundtrack role and the ballad coming along actually probably did more to damage Berlin's legacy. Berlin's a great, 80s band oh yeah a very important synth pop act terry nunn was this you know she was like debbie harry ish in terms of like being this iconic female you know pop star that pioneers of of synth new wave for sure yeah go back and listen to the pleasure victim album it's it's just it's an amazing record no more words man like great song like the, the you know legit legit group it's a great point you make yeah and so along comes this opportunity now at this point berlin which had been around for like four albums they were down to, they weren't the original Berlin. It was Terry Nunn and John Crawford. It was just the two of them. And along comes this opportunity. George A. Maroder does this song and they sort of say, yes, we'll do it. And I wonder if you ask Terry Nunn now, you know, if they went back, if they had the opportunity to go back, would they still do it? Because it was a huge hit. I'm sure they made oodles of money off of it. Although right. I think George A. Maroder would have made the lion's share of the money. He wrote it. It's not really Berlin. It's more just Terry Nunn, like doing karaoke of a song that, Berlin had very little to do with. With all that said, you know, again, we talk about the career move thing, like maybe a good career move, maybe not a great creative move. So that that's kind of the song aspect of it. Musically, I think the song is okay. You know, it's got the little hook and whatever. So if you look at 80s ballads, it would be near the bottom of my list, but it's fine. Let's talk about its role in the movie. So this is the, uh, the one part of Top Gun where there's a, uh, a sex scene. It's um, atrocious as a sex scene. It's hard to watch. I'm not sure whose idea it was to do the silhouette thing where they're sort of Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis, you know, they're just on top of each other. And all you see is the tongues, you know, just these interlocking tongues. And that's unfortunately all I think about now when I hear this song. It's just like Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis playing tongue hockey with each other. Yeah. Yeah, it's a um, it's a tough listen when you were essentially sort of traumatized by that scene, which, you know, uh, when you're six or seven, um, that scene is traumatizing. You, you don't really understand what's going on here. It's the, the tongues and the shadow silhouette thing. It's uh, it, I, I mean, I still fast forward the scene. It's kind of like Apollo yeah. fighting Drago. I just, I can't watch it. So yes. Um, yeah. So it's a fast forward even to this day for me, which really tainted the song. Now, you know, certainly there's a contingent. I mean, clearly there is a contingent that loved it, you know, and I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that there were plenty of, you know, gals back in the, back in 86. You, know. you think some babies were made to this song? Yeah, I think there were some gals that really <laughs> got all got all riled up by this one, right? And probably liked the silhouette thing, you know, and uh, uh, you know, you know, charged up. But not me. Um, and even to this day, now what I did, uh, this is like we're we're talking like a couple of years ago. I was like, okay, there's got to be something to this, and I like in Berlin to your point. I mean, very respectable outfit. It was kind of like. I just want to try to absorb the song and just see if it's a good song, you know, just listen to it. Try not to think about the tonguing and just, is this song good? And it is, it is. I mean, the key change, 
the, I think if it wasn't in the movie, it would probably be a really, really great eighties ballad, you know, but yeah, I, I think that the movie diluted it, maybe ruined it for some. Um, but I mean, it's a good song. It's a cool tune. It, it, you know, the fact that Georgia Mortar put it together makes it, it gives it a little street cred. The fact that Berlin sang it um, gives it some street cred. I think it's a song that if it wasn't in the movie in such a, a traumatic scene, you know, for a uh, for a youngster, you know, that um, it probably would be a really great '80s ballad. So part of me wishes that could have just experience the song without the the inevitable lens you'll always hear it through and so for that reason it's not it's a hard listen even still i mean when it comes in the radio i change it but i did my best recently to kind of really analyze the song itself and it is quite good if you really pull it apart and take that gross imagery of uh tonguing each other yeah, it, I mean, it's a great take. I and I appreciate the retrospect because I think you're right. But it it really ruined my whole view of like kissing with tongues for like basically my whole life. Well, I mean, it's really I, I was like, that's what you do? Like yeah, that? yeah, that's what's funny. People don't kiss like that. No, like like, like no. that's not how it that's not how it goes. And it you know what? I blame that movie. The first like few years that I was like trying to like learn how to make out with chicks. I was totally screwing it up. And I blame that movie. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like, well, I agree. It's like, this is what Tom Cruise did. Isn't this what I'm supposed to do? And they're like, no, it's not. You know? Yeah. And it gives this impression like Kelly McGillis, like liked it. Yeah. And, you know, teach their own. Everybody likes is into something different, but I don't, no. I don't think a majority of uh, women out there would appreciate just well, getting, uh, you know, I was like, well, j- j- I mean, clearly I'm supposed to jam my tongue down this girl's throat. That's what, right. she's, that's what right. she's wanting. Right. And it turns out <laughs> not at all. And so, <laughs> yeah. so I actually feel like the film gave, gave us youngsters a very poor playbook, you know, as to how to, how to execute a proper makeout session. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that might I, be its lasting legacy. I hate the whole scene. The whole thing's stupid. I hate how they argue beforehand. You know, I, I just, the whole thing's stupid. As much as I, as much as I sort of dig the tension of the previous time where he goes over to her house, you know, the first time, you know, where they're, they're doing, you know, the, the wine and the dock of the bay. And then he leaves and it's kind of cool the way he leaves, you know, leaves her hanging. Uh, I hate the love scene, you know? Yeah. Let, let, let's move on from it. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm starting to get the willies. So You've, so actually it's side two of the soundtrack. See what I'd like to do is, is kind of go through the next four songs and just hear the clips. I want to spend a lot of time on, on one of the greatest guitar pieces ever. Yeah. So if you don't mind, let's just play a little bit from each of these four. The, the side two is far and away the, the least interesting part of the soundtrack. So let's kind of blast through these. And I'll get your thoughts on them after we listen to them. So sure. uh, next up from on the soundtrack is hot summer nights. Of course, it's the mid 80s. So you got to get the Miami sound machine in there. So (laughs) hot summer nights by Miami sound machine.
You missed it. I was doing my 80s dance. Oh, were you? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't see. What I think one of the coolest things about this song is I always respected the fact that Gloria Estefan, um, for as long as she was able, kept the name of the group to a band name more so than her solo, you know, her actual name. Yes, I agree. I, you know, I thought that was kind of cool, but obviously eventually it was like, no, Gloria, you're, 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 you're the star. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. But the fact exactly. that they were Miami sound machine, they were a band. I think it's kind of cool. Agreed. Next up is lover boy with heaven in your eyes. If you wanted to like parody like bad 80s ballads, this is it, right? I mean, it's got that draggy tempo, this big old dramatic vocal. I was never a Loverboy fan at all. But uh, it's, it's if you look up like the bad imitations of 80s power ballads, this is probably. Yeah, it's terrible. Totally. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, next up is Larry Green with uh, Through the Fire. Fire always cracks me up because it's 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 Marauder and Whitlock same as Danger Zone. It sounds like it's same instrumentation as Danger Zone completely. Yeah. Well, and who the hell is Larry Green? I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. It's not a bad tune. I mean, it's got it's got potential, but whatever. It's yeah, it's background music, you know. Next up was always interesting because Destination Unknown. You know, couldn't you have found a different title because there was another destination unknown yeah. during the 80s that was, a, you know, a really important hit. Right. And yeah. it was new always very confusing. Like a, like, yeah. like a new wave gem kind of song by missing persons. Yeah, absolutely. And so I remember even like trying to piece together. Wait, there's another song called Destination. Unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Who the hell is Marietta? So, yeah. So Destination Unknown, the other one by Marietta. Not to be confused with Martika who did toy soldiers. This is some other. Yeah, there you go. Starts with an M ends with an A. Here we go. I, I know it's in the movie. Do you remember the scene? Off the just, bat? Dude, I was just thinking that. Yeah. Um, I know it's there. I just can't recall the exact scene. It's like background during that part. Yeah. I mean, is it is it when they're in the bar? Yeah, it sounds like it's like during a talking scene when they're in the bar or something. I, I yeah. think it's because um, Hot Summer Nights is also in the bar. And I think Destination Unknown might be in the bar as well. 
it's a long scene. I mean, there's a lot going on during the bar scene, you know, it's a very, very eighties song for sure. For sure. It's pretty so, good. I actually think it's pretty good, but you like it. Yeah. You like yeah. Marietta It'll work. Yeah. Big fan, big fan. <laughs> All right. Well, it is time. I was just blown away by this piece of music every time I hear it. And it's one of those things where if it's so closely related to the movie, it could become like, you know, like, like cheesy and like, Oh, Top Gun. But like, if you just separate it out and just listen to it as a piece of music, it's yeah. extraordinary. Absolutely is. And, and it's what closes the Top Gun soundtrack. And it is written by Harold Faltermeyer, performed by Steve Stevens, the Top Gun anthem. Don't, don't fade it. Don't fade it. Play it. Play it. Play it. Absolutely gorgeous. What's interesting is that Faltermeyer listed as the only writer. Do you think Harold Faltermeyer wrote that guitar solo or at least gave the shell of it? Because if Steve Stevens came up with the solo, you would think that he would be given songwriting credit. And I know publishing can always get weird, but. Yeah. And especially for guitar solos, right? During this time, um, guitar solos were more of a show off for the guitarist, but you didn't really see a lot of songwriting credit or publishing credit going toward guitar solos. I, I would be shocked if. Faltermeyer may have had some input, but that sounds like something that Steve Stevens helped create. So who knows? Um, it doesn't really matter because it's a unbelievable solo. And, but you're right. I mean, this is a, this is just an incredible piece of music. It holds up extremely well. So a couple of things about Top Gun Anthem that I just want to point out. So even on Top Gun Maverick in the promos for it, they're using that signature kind of bell sound. And I looked up just trying to figure out like, what is that? And according to my, you know, researchers at uh, Google, that sound is a low C and it's played on a tubular bell. So here we go once again with our good friend, tubular bell, right? But the dong that that's a signature sound for the whole Top Gun brand as shown by the promos for Top Gun Maverick. It's being used extensively. Mm -hmm. And so when you started off with that drum box, that pattern, and again, it's almost in the air tonight-esque. I mean, once that starts, you're just like, okay, like I know what this is. Yeah, It's a very intricate, yet just, you know, very memorable drum pattern on the drum box. And then, and that rings out. And then obviously the melody that comes in with Steve Stevens playing, and Steve Stevens' guitar tone is just, I mean, it's fantastic. It's yeah. top notch. And it builds and builds and builds. And then the, the bit that you played is sort of the pinnacle. But then it has this really cool outro section to it, too. It's just a perfect piece of music. T, I, it's in my top five guitar solos of all time. 
of all time. And I'm very confident might be number one for me. I just, I can't think of one guy with a guitar speaking yeah. uh, as brilliantly as the way that this particular guitar solo speaks, you know? Yeah, I agree. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. And, um, and you always kind of wonder how he got that. Like, wow, wow. It's not a wah pedal. It's not a, you know, effect. it's, he's using the whammy bar in a sort of reverse method to get that really unique sort of wobbly sound to it, but it's tight, you know, it sort of goes from uh, a little bit wobbly and wah like to tight. And that's all, as he's playing this magnificent solo with such good tone, he's also using that bar, that tremolo bar to um, create a really unique sound. So, I mean, he's a, he's a really good guitar player, obviously it's perfect. It's, it's recorded perfectly. It's mixed perfectly. The layering is awesome and it's not too much either. I mean, it's fairly minimalist in terms of um, what all's happening when it turned, when it comes to the, electronic drums when it comes to the synth and it comes to the guitar. I mean, they could have screwed it up easily. They could have overlayered it or, or overproduced it. And I think they just, you know, hit the right tone um, in every instance. So um, it's a gorgeous song. It, it can be utilized in a lot of different settings and, and meetings. It's obviously a, a reoccurring musical thematic, you know, throughout the film. Um, and it, you know, won the Grammy for best pop instrumental and clearly deserved that. I mean, listen, there are some times where these things become, uh, iconic in sort of a silly way, you know, and, and another Faltermeyer track, you look at like Axel F those type of things. I mean, they're, they're cute and they're fun, but they're not sort of musically brilliant necessarily, or, or looked back at in that way. Um, whereas this is. I mean, this is a yeah, really, it's a masterpiece. I mean, it, really, it is. It's yeah. a real genius piece of work, and um, you know what a what an incredible way to close out a soundtrack that bounces around a little in terms of its vibe and in terms of you know some of the artist contributions and those things. But what a way to wrap it up! I do want real quick. Can you roll? Uh, I got a great story about this one. Um, roll the the track uh, the expanded version that's called uh, Memories. Oh, sure. You got that. Remember this one? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like you know, Maverick hits rock bottom. You know, Goose dies and everything's bad. Yeah. So yeah. let me tell you this great story about this song. So one of our listeners, a good friend of mine, uh, you know, hustler, um, listener hustler, we'll say. He and I were working together, and uh, we we both kind of hated like our jobs that we were having. We were in kind of a tough time. Both of us were looking for something else. Yeah. And he and I had offices that were like down the hall from each other, but we would work nights and we were there all the time. And we, so we would just frequently go visit each other. And there's this one night, you know, we were both there and we were kind of pissed off. We were there. It was like, I would rather be at the bar with our friends and stuff, but we're working. And, and uh, we were both like already looking for other jobs and stuff. So it's, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, I don't know, I would say rock bottom, but neither of us were in a great place with like this work that we were doing. And so I walked down to his office and I just opened the door and he's sitting at his desk, staring into his computer, and that's playing <laughs> out of it. <laughs> like and as a bit, or was he actually like sort of contemplating things? So, you just, know, yeah. never fully. I, I think he, he knew between, how to do it. He knew how to do oh, a, good, yeah. a good proactive bit. 
Oh, uh, Hustler, so. brilliant with that stuff. Was it that or was he just really, was he really down and out, you know? I think it was probably a little bit of both. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think you can make the case for both. So it's probably somewhere between, but it, we cracked up. I mean, we just died. We started dying laughing. And since then, you know, very few times do we get together where we don't reference, you know, the day where I walked in and he was listening to memories. <laughs> like he's just sitting there by himself listening to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like doing his work. That's funny. That's funny. It was great. So, all right, T. Well, that is <laughs> that is the Top Gun soundtrack. And uh, what do you think, man? Now that we're kind of back in Top Gun mode, uh, how does this hold up over time? Uh, you know, I, I mean, it's it holds up fine for what it is. I think that if you're if you're playing this for somebody, like if you played this for your kids, with like no movie context, just like hey, here's like a really popular soundtrack from when i was your age it probably wouldn't really mean a lot they, they'd probably be like oh the danger zone song is cool and the you know top gun anthem's neat but other than that it's a bunch of just stuff that probably wouldn't sound that current or wouldn't probably do much for them but if you get them into the movie it's a perfect pairing for the movie now that's what's cool about the soundtrack is it takes you to the film takes you to the scenes which are very memorable and the use of music is is really part of the genius of top gun so it it's not a great like collection or compilation of music but it's a very contextual collection of sounds that defined a film that in many ways 1986 defined an era of kind of like where things were at at the time so great timepiece great uh for fans of the film revisiting the soundtracks awesome and 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 peaks a lot of your uh nostalgia uh for the different scenes that you find these songs in which they're all placed perfectly you know right now the anthem is probably the only thing that gets a lot of rotation and it does i mean i listen to the top gun anthem all the time playing with the boys probably comes next and that's kind of it uh, mighty, and- mighty wings doesn't that's no, a, that's one for me for sure. Yeah, I mean it's good. It's great. But no, I mean so so it's kind of, you know, in the right setting with the right context. It's great. Really great pick. Love the pick. But it's not like I don't think if you came into this soundtrack blind with no movie context you would think it's that good. But yeah, I mean, so for that reason I guess with context it holds up great. It's great to revisit. Without, it probably just sounds to a, you know, new listener, like a bunch of very outdated sounds, (laughs) which is fine. How about for you, buddy? What do you think? You know, I think there's something special about Harold Faltermeyer's work. I think it holds up incredibly well because of the production. He was way ahead of his time in terms of the fullness of sounds using digital instruments, even in their sort of infancy, a lot of the instruments he was using they still sound really, really good. So Mighty Wings and Top Gun Anthem, of course, uh, I I think they hold up extremely well just because I think Harold Faltermeyer, he's a very underrated just musician. Forget about like soundtrack guy and all that. He's just really underrated just for some of the 80s sounds that he brought to the table. Danger Zone, Play With The Boys, Take My Breath Away. Like these are period pieces that are really important. You nailed it well, very contextual. And then a lot of the rest of the album sounds really dated and is really throwaway. 
But the top shelf moments, the Mighty Wings, certainly the Top Gun Anthem, Dangers Don't Play With The Boys, like these are things that really hold up very well. Just in terms of sound, they sound great. You know, put Mighty Wings on, you know, a nice sound system right now. It sounds great. You know, it's got nice low end and the synthesizer sounds still sound fresh, even though they're, you know, three decades old now. So it's spotty in terms of how well it holds up, but the top moments, I think, hold up really, really well. And you got to give credit for that, for something that was created, you know, in the early to mid eighties. So, well, and it's a great point about Harold Baltimore, but probably overlooked as an artist. I mean, the work on Fletch, the work on my favorite Harold Faltermeyer soundtrack, which is Tango and Cash, um, you know, the, I, obviously Beverly Hills Cop and this. I mean, a lot of very important work in terms of shaping the sound of a decade, which she had a very heavy hand in. So um, I do think that the album represents, um, uh, you know, a lot of uh, contribution from a fairly overlooked but very important artist from that decade, um, which he was. All right, so let's go to the final cut. So is the Top Gun soundtrack, is it on the turntable? Is it in the collection? Is it collecting dust? Or is it on its way to the for sale bin? T, where you got it? It's such an interesting final cut. Um, and I think you just, you have to go with collecting dust because on its face, you put it in the for sale bin because the songs like, I mean, half of them are kind of dumb and, but you sort of can't, you have to preserve this in a way you have to every so often revisit it. Even the dumb songs because of what they represent within a film that we just love. And so many people love. And especially now that this whole Top Gun thing has sort of made a resurgence, which I think is a net good thing. You know, the ability to revisit some of these songs even if it's just a way of, you know, kind of an encyclopedia a bit to the original um, and the music, such an important part of the movie. It really is that I, I just, I, I don't think you could put it in the for sale, but I think that owning this makes a lot of sense. Anybody that sort of went through this time period and, and loved this movie as a kid, or even loved this movie when they were an adult, when it came out, this soundtrack is it's too special and it represents the film and the time period. And again, the, the, the contributions from two really phenomenal, important artists that I agree with you were ahead of their time in a lot of ways, shaping this sound. And that's Morador and that's Faltermeyer. You can't put it for sale, but you just cannot. So I'm going collecting dust, buddy. What do you got? I've got it in the exact same place, collecting dust. I probably own, I don't own a, a ridiculous amount of soundtracks in my collection. I probably own 40 movie soundtracks. I've got things like obviously... Rocky Four, Batman, you know, the Prince soundtrack, mm-hmm. High Fidelity, Godzilla, Rad, JFK, rad. yeah, no. Rad, JFK, uh, good one, yeah, couple Woody Allen movie soundtracks, Manhattan, Fantastic Planet, which, you know, is sort of the OG, like original, you know, that's one of my prized vinyl actually is Fantastic Planet soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And this is right there with that. So I got to have it collecting dust because I, I own it. Now, listening to it top to bottom, no, that's not a thing. Like, it, you know, I own it because occasionally I want to hear the Top Gun anthem on vinyl just to hear kind of the, the, the sound of it from there. But you're not listening to this top to bottom regularly. But if you're going to have a soundtrack collection, even if it's minimal like mine is, it's in there. Oh, it yeah. is. It's part yep. of it. You know, it's part of the canon, I would say. Yep. And so uh, same thing, man. I got to collect dust. 
All right, so it was super fun to go through that. Let's wrap things up the way we always do about this time and check in with Dolores and see what is in your head. T3 songs that are not by Marietta that are <laughs> ringing in your head right now. What do you got? By the way, I swear, yesterday, last night we were having a little, little you know, summertime, having a little bonfire uh, out, out, ba- out in the backyard. And uh, I swear, we played the Top Gun anthem and like there were like probably 15 people and everyone just loved it. Like everyone. Loved yeah, it. that's yeah. sweet. That's yeah. sweet. Um, I've got a track from a band that I love. I'm not sure what they're doing anymore, but this is Shiny Toy Guns early electronica and festival rocky but before it was like trendy and before it was i mean these guys these guys were actually great and brought in an electronic you know guitar sound with just great vocals male and female vocals it really i love i love shiny toy guns great band and this is rainy monday um which is one of my favorite songs from them but if you if you want something a little festival rocky, but that's that's got some like authenticity to it, you know, that's that's uh, not within the last few years. It's probably 15 or so years old. It's a great choice. It's a great choice. Uh, the second is uh, from uh, Lenny Kravitz, a nice song that I like to pull out during the summer, which he also opened his show with that we saw, which is Is There Any Love in Your Heart? Total jam. Great riff. You know, sometimes Are You Gonna Go My Way gets a little stale. And uh, is there any love in your heart is a really good track from that record. And uh, lastly, we're going to go with uh, another song that came on during the bonfire last night. I don't know. It's, I'm actually going to say two songs from this artist. The artist is Cutting Crew. And you've got I Just Died in Your Arms, which is so good. Such a great 80s song. Fantastic 80s song. But they also have another great single. It was kind of a moderate single called One for the Mockingbird. That's an excellent song from those guys. Canadians, I believe. Canadian pop band, if I'm not mistaken. That's what's in my head. Nub, what do you got, buddy? Well, before the Grateful Dead starts dominating my summer, because it's officially summer now, so I can get that going again. Uh, three things that are not Grateful Dead, but you're going to hear a lot of that for the next couple of months. Uh, first would be a song Heaven and Earth by Matthew Sweet. This is off Blue Sky and Mars. Got an album track from that. Great Matthew Sweet record. He never did anything better before or since. And Heaven and Earth is a really, uh, really good deep cut from that. Second is from Haken's Virus album, and that is Prosthetic. Really good Haken album. That one's really grown on me over time. Didn't dislike it at first, but it's kind of a return to form for them. I can't wait to see what they do next. It does take a few listens, but it is good. I agree. For sure. For sure. Good call. And then lastly is the title track from Navid back when Our Lady Peace was a good band. And that is Navid. One of the really good bass lines of the 90s. Jeremy Taggart just killing it on the drums. Gotta love it. T, this was fun, man. I hope everybody oh, enjoyed it. So fun, dude. Great, great call. Really, really enjoyed it. Great way to way to bring the game to the table. Good, good work, Nub. Great you episode, bet. buddy. So on the horizon, we have we'll, we'll have a QA episode coming up soon. T. We'll get one of those in. I know that uh some of our uh some of our peeps are eager to get some questions. We've got other fun and exciting things on the horizon for you as the summer months are here. But above all, we just ask that all of you take care of yourselves and take care of each other. And we'll see you very, very soon for the next episode of Two Twins and an Album. Two Twins and an Album. Well, that's about it. That's all we have. I hope it wasn't too disappointing. We will see you on tour. 
Until then, take it easy.